0: So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs amongst yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks, Juliana. Well, it's a beautiful fall Sunday Yesterday we had the wonderful privilege to drive out in the countryside. Oh, there's something about being out in the country and the beautiful leaves and trees and uh, farmers out in the field and it's harvest time. It's beautiful. It refreshes the heart. Well, as you know, we're right at the beginning of a new series of messages that we're calling Taking Back My Life, Taking Back My Life, Re- reclaiming some of the areas of life that perhaps have been drifting Uh, Russell Kelfer wrote a poem 30 years ago or more. I won't read it all, but uh, here's a few kind of choice lines. You are who you are for a reason. You're part of an intricate plan. You're a precious and perfect, unique design called God's special woman or man. You look like you look for a reason. Our God made no mistake. He knit you together within the womb You're just what he wanted to make. You're just what he wanted to make. Uh, The years do a number on us. In fact, uh, when we're fairly young, uh, we start to do some distorted thinking. Sorry. Uh, We feel like we want to guide our lives in a certain direction because that's where we believe we're going to experience the greatest bang for the buck in our life. So some people are driven by this consuming desire to have a little bit more. You know, just a little bit more. You know the question to Rockefeller, how much is enough, and his answer is, just a little bit more. And so we label it materialism, but very simply it's the sense that we have this feeling that just a little bit more will make us happier, it'll just feel a little more important and a little bit more secure. Some people are driven by the need for approval. They allow the expectations of others to control their lives. They're driven by pressure and they're always worried about what others think about them. Some people are driven by guilt. They spend their entire life running away uh, from regrets and hiding their shame and they're, they're driven because they're hiding. We're driven by fear. We're driven by anger and resentment. We're driven by expectations. There are a ton of things that impact us and cause us to be distracted and go down all kinds of side roads, which allows us to be busy, 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 busy. There's a whole bunch of drivers in life that kind of catapult us into a style of living that just saps the life right out of us. There are reasons we overstack our schedules. We function out of values. Does it sound familiar to you when you ask people how they're doing or maybe people ask you how you're doing? The words might be a little different, a different shade, but it all comes out sounding pretty much alike. my week's been crazy. My schedule is out of control. I don't have enough time in the day. You've never heard that before, have you? every day. We say the word so often that we become immune to how repetitive we sound. We've lost our wiggle room. Not a moment to spare. No margin. Sometimes our busyness is even like a feather in our cap, I'm sorry to say. Sometimes we're a little proud of our busy badge. It's perhaps like it adds a layer of significance to our lives. We might say it complaining, but we also say it hoping it adds some significance to who we are. Busyness. Being overly busy can be very stressful. I'm not saying anything negative here about work, because work is good. Work is good. We were intended to work. But busyness. Sometimes it's a management problem. Sometimes it's a rest problem. Sometimes it's a calendar problem, but too busy is always a problem. I heard somebody talking about a situation that really helped me catch the perspective of this and catch the desperation of this. Somehow a dog had wandered out onto a very busy freeway, and the traffic was just car after car and driving so fast, and somehow the dog got out into the middle of the freeway and realized its plight that it couldn't get back. And there it was, ducking traffic, ducking traffic, moving from one lane to another until it realizes that it's absolutely stuck. It just doesn't know what to do anymore and it parks itself on one of the white lines between the cars and it just begins to howl. And cars are whizzing by on both sides. It is beyond itself. Its world has come apart and it is sitting there saying, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do? And that helped me to see the desperation that when we caught it, get caught in the freeway of life, it's a desperate feeling. There's a book on the market today, not a new book, because it sounds like it might be a new book, but it's not. It was written back in 2000 by James Gleick. The title reads like a vanity plate you might see on the back of a red Ferrari. Just four letters, F-S-T-R, F-S-T-R, faster. Too fast to even use vowels. And the book's subtitle was The Acceleration of Just About Everything. And one page after another like, that demonstrates how everything from travel to cooking to communications to commerce has gotten so much faster and so much so that it is unraveling a lot of people. It's really hard to keep up. You know, when people used to describe something really fast, really fast, they would speak of nanoseconds. Well, physicists are now measuring time in femtoseconds, femtoseconds, a unit equivalent to the time it takes for something to travel a distance between the width of of an atom. So I looked up the word before because I'd never heard of it, and here's what it is. It is a unit of time equal to one quadrillionth, you know what one quadrillionth is, right? Or one millionth of one billionth of a second. Now you know for sure what a femtosecond is. So that if anyone ever slows down long enough to ask you what's a femtosecond, you just explain to them it's one millionth of a billionth of a second. I mean, who can even begin to grasp or imagine that kind of speed? But there are times when we all like speed. I like express lanes at Safeway. I even do self-checkout not because I like packing my own groceries but because I like saving a second or two. Oh and my computer was trying to update this week. And it was saying minutes. This is going to take a few minutes. And I'm saying "Grrr, Minutes! Come on! Some people I know like to order the groceries online. And then they just drive through and pick them up. Isn't that a cool deal? saves a little time. I like instant popcorn. You see, fast has caught us because, well, it's very appealing. What could be wrong with getting a little more production in life if you can get more production? Why wouldn't you? Yes, fast can be exhilarating until, well, until it isn't. Because after a while, all of life is fast. And that works against how God has made us. The author Carrie Watt Kent makes this confession. She said, I feel like I'm on a teacup ride at Disney World. At first, I'm turning the wheel and setting the pace, and the spinning is fun and somehow contained. But then the momentum builds, and even if I let go of the wheel in the center of the teacup, we continue to spin faster and faster and faster and faster. I'm sick. This I think is the world in which we live today. The flywheel is turning at greater and greater velocity. We show ourselves willing to uh, to go at this pace and, and we, we look at others around us and say, oh look at Becky, look how fast she spins. John is spinning really, really fast these days. That must be normal. I just need to spin faster. Surely I can spin faster too. Perhaps Jesus faced Similar things in his life: busyness, overscheduling, confusion of priorities. He seemed to know how to sort them out. He, he 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 would get alone. He loved the solitary times with his father. He must have been reprioritizing all the time he was with his father. He must have been saying, "Abba, Father." Ah. Now what do I do? Now what do I do? I'm on that white lane. How do I get over here? How do I move here? Lord, what's your plan for me now? And, and he's, he was saying, Lord, let my life glorify you. And the Father was always slowing him down. But he always invites us to figure this out for ourselves. And so he says to us, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. He says, let me teach you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find, what? Rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and, and the burden I give you is light. How different, how different that is. The burden I give you is light. Most of our homes and our work environments are about more, harder, faster, more production, more results and heavy and heavy. And Jesus talks about rest. He always sees rest in the midst of serving. He always sees rest in the midst of busyness. Oh, he always sees rest in the midst of heaviness. He doesn't need to take you to Hawaii for a whole year and give you rest. Good on you if you can go. It's not fair, but good on you. He will rest you in your busyness. He will rest you in your heaviness. He just says when you're in the midst of all the driving demands of the day stay close to me because I'm not demanding. Stay close to me because I'm gentle. And get to know my heart because I don't add burdens. I make it easier. I lighten the load. So stay close to me. So have some space in your life to be close to me, to be with you. Now, others are going to say more, 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 more. You must, you should, you have to. I expect this. But he pulls up alongside and he offers rest. <sighs> and you can take a deep breath. And, and you can find his relief. So I ask you this morning, do you have some free spaces on your calendar to find that place of rest? Do you have some stillness where you can get relief from the fever pitch extremes of life? How do you keep your world from coming apart? Is it really just about trying harder and harder and harder and harder and working more and more and more and more? Where will that end? I've been singing a song in my mind this week. You wouldn't want me to be singing it any place else but my mind. But Eddie Arnold sang a song way back when. I'm sure nobody knows this song. Make the world go away and get it off of my shoulders. Say the things you used to say and make the world go away. Now, none of you know that song, right? There's nobody here. There's one or two here. Oh, there's more. There's more. Please put your hands up. Make the world go away. I wish somebody could come up and sing it. Once it gets in your mind, you're going to be singing this all day long. Now, I want you to join me in Ephesians chapter 5. I've been a long time getting there. So here we are. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What the Lord wants you to do. Now, perhaps it's important to catch the context of the whole chapter. So the first chapter, for the first verse of chapter 5, is rather helpful. Because it sets the tone for all of the verses in the chapter. And it says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. So the whole chapter is about imitating our Father, our Heavenly Father, our God, and imitating Him. And the word imitate can actually be translated mimic. (laughs) So be a God mimic. You have permission to mimic God and to imitate Him. So that's the theme for the chapter. And Paul is simply arguing that children are like their parents. Have you ever seen a child get in the driver's seat? Uh, of the family car trying to drive uh, like uh, like a parent or like a dad or like a mom and you know we grew up on the farm and there were lots of implements, lots of tractors and vehicles around and we'd find ourselves up on the tractor and we'd be steering away, not going anywhere but we were were driving because we were imitating dad. Children uh, imitate their parents and Paul says do the transfer if we're children of God then we ought to imitate our father And he he tells us that we're to imitate in the arena of love in the first couple of verses. And then we're to imitate God as we walk as children of light, verses 3 to 14, understanding our identity. We are children of light, called out of darkness into God's light. And then in the text before us, verses 15 to 17, he talks about we are to walk in wisdom. And he says, be careful how you live. And the, the verse carries the idea of precision, accuracy. Why should we be accurate and careful in our walk? Well, so we maximize our time on this earth because we can all drift. We can be overwhelmed. We can be exhausted. We can lose our margin. Our buckets can be emptied. We can get knocked out of the race because of this whole issue of time. And I like what the ESV says, look carefully when, then how you walk not as unwise But as wise, making the best use of the time. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now remember our context is to imitate God, imitating our Father. So if I'm to be like God, I'm to take time. I'm to redeem the time. I'm to make best use of the time that God has given to me. So then it's natural to ask the question, well, how did God use his time? How did God use his time? What example has he given to us in the management of time? What do I need to emulate? And when you ask that question, you were zoomed back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to the story of creation, the creation of the world and the creation of humanity. And Genesis two one sums it up. It says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all of his work. He rested from all of his work. God rested. If I am to mimic God or to emulate God, I have to rest. How interesting. Now, omnipotence never gets tired. So it wasn't like, well, God was all done in after six days of creating the world and so on. He was just done. He's God. So he wasn't tired, and he, he wasn't that he had just come to the end of himself saying, that is it. But he purposefully stopped, and he rested. It was intentional. Yes, there was lots more he could have done, and isn't that always true? There's lots more we could do. He, but he purposefully called a halt to his work, and he said, now rest is necessary. Now, can I give you a couple of things that are are helpful for us to imitate God in the sense of being intentional about resting? First of all, understand that when Paul writes about making the most of your time, he means quality as much as he means quantity. He means quality as much as he means quantity. He doesn't just mean uh, uh, just try to figure out how to stack as many things into your life and your schedule as you possibly can. He doesn't always mean add, he sometimes means subtract. How do you make the most of your time? Sometimes, as you know, uh, you're a lot more effective with your time when you're simply rested. You're just so much more productive. I would sooner write in the morning than the afternoon because in the afternoon I feel more sluggish, but in the morning I feel fresh. One of the great illusions of our day is that hurrying will buy us more time. Some have called this business of filling up our calendar so tightly and going FSTR as hurry sickness. Hurry sickness. Hurry sickness is this struggle we are in to accomplish more in less and less time sometimes in the, in the face of great opposition from others. There's just this pressure on us that to, to do more in less time. And one of the negatives of hurry is what it does to us personally and what it does to our attitudes and what it does to our relationships and then eventually what it does to our health. It's hard to keep it together when we are pressed for long periods of time. I love the story of the pilot. A pilot was telling one of his favorite stories that he'd accumulated through all the years of of being a pilot. And he told of the story of an elderly couple who were flying first class, sitting behind a businessman who was enormously frustrated with them because this businessman had followed this elderly couple well up in their 80s and they'd never flown before. And so they were dawdling along, and, and they were going too slow, and he was in a rush, and he had things on his mind. And so he had to wait before he could get into the cabin. And then he had to wait as they got seated and put stuff up into the compartment and so on. And then when the, the meal was served, they delayed this businessman again by having to get some pills down from their duffel bag, and it fell down. And he, said, he finally was just so exhausted, he said, what's the matter with you people? And, and he just shouted it out so everybody in the cabin could hear it. He said, I'm amazed you get anywhere. Why can't you just stay home? And to register his anger, the man sat down and reclined his seat back as hard as he could, so hard that the elderly gentleman's tray of food spilled all over him and his wife. And the flight attendant came along and she apologized profusely and she said, Is there anything we can do? And uh, he explained it was their 60th wedding anniversary. (laughs) And they were flying for the first time. Oh, she said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She said, let me at least bring you a bottle of wine. And uh, so she did so. And when it was uncorked, the old husband stood up, proposed the toast to the whole cabin, poured the bottle over the head of the impatient (laughs) businessman, sitting in front of them. the <laughs> so pilot related to the story. He said, everybody in the cabin cheered like, yes. But making the most of our time doesn't mean packing all of our schedules all week long, and then again on the weekend. Making the most of our time doesn't mean so task-focused that we lose our relationships. And we lose our time with God. Such a full schedule that we make everyone else's life miserable. Hard to live with because she's so busy. He's so busy. See, we go hard all week long, but now that it's weekend, uh, we don't stop. We, we spend billions of dollars in the leisure industry to fill the void of the weekend. Because now that we have the weekend, we're bored So we fill up the weekend too. And then it's Monday. And ask your friends if they had a good weekend. And they say, well, we we drove here and we, we did this and we spent this much money and we were involved in doing that. And maybe the answer is different from did you have a good weekend from did you have a restful weekend? Paul said, make the most of your time. And then God gave us an example. He rested. It wasn't because he ran out of things to do but he stopped to enjoy. He stopped so he could move from a season of work to a season of leisure. God took a look at his calendar and said, I'm going to pencil this day out. No work, no rest. This is my rest day. How does your calendar look these days? Whether you schedule with the computer or whether you schedule with your little iPhone, smartphone, or whether you still mark it down in real paper which is just fine it doesn't matter are there some days in there marked rest rest pull back slow down God time your work will fill your calendar and people will fill your calendar but God said no this is rest day will you do the same Secondly, God knows how He made us and uh, when He rested it was a signal for us to do the same. The Soviet Union once attempted to have 10-day working weeks because they thought it would be more productive. They had to reverse their policy because it didn't work at all and it wasn't in in accord with people's natural constitutions. We need to rest. And not taking rest at all is is not listening to the Creator's instructions. Our internal organs, our mental processes are bound to wear out if we don't rest. You can pull an all-nighter every once in a while. I can't do that anymore, but you can pull an all-nighter, I'm sure. Uh, But you can't do it and do it and do it and do it. You'll likely just break down. The work you do will gradually get poorer or you will go to work but not really work when you're there. At some point, whether you take a day in seven or not, your body will take that rest. We need to see the principle of rest and we need to apply it to ourselves and take some time off. So God was giving us a model when he rested. If I'm to be like God in this respect, I'm to take time, I'm to have leisure. What do you think of when you think of leisure? Don't you think of flying off to some exotic place? Don't you think of pulling out the trailer and heading to the mountains? Don't you think of coming to the age of retirement and experiencing freedom? What's the number, 75? (laughs) Leisure. Yes, when all the kids are raised, oh, leisure. Warming our toes at the fireplace. Now, sometimes a good vacation does bring refreshment. It's wonderful. We need it. Always feels good. But leisure doesn't happen until we give ourselves permission. Well, you say, well, who wouldn't give yourself permission to have some leisure? Many of us. The workaholic won't give himself or herself permission to rest Single parents playing double duty don't have the options to give themselves rest. Often students going for the marks don't give themselves permission to pull back on the throttle. Maybe we're all a little stingy <coughs> with giving ourselves permission until the day comes. Somehow, some way, when we see it as a priority. Maybe the, da- the day dawns when we see it as mandatory to rest. As someone said, to come apart before you actually do come apart. To come apart to rest. So it's important to give ourselves permission to rest like God did. He intentionally stopped. Can making the most of our time, like Paul writes, include leisure and rest? It must. It must. You know the scripture verse, Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Have you ever thought about substituting the words have leisure and know that I am God? What? Have leisure and know that I am God? Would that help us with that verse? Would it help us to think leisure doesn't mean breakneck speed doing something? Maybe it means 10, 15, 20 minutes of breaking and being alone with God for some rest. That that would be leisure. Uh, You can rest by observing the beauty of what He has made. beautiful drive to Onaway yesterday. Oh, beautiful, beautiful, refreshing. So refreshing. You can have minute vacations when you pull alongside and breathe in deeply. To go deeper in knowing the heart of God. We have to rest. Leisure must become part of our day. It's not always connected with a camping site. It doesn't mean getting on an airplane to get away. It doesn't mean hovering around a swimming pool and resting, although I like that. Leisure or rest must become a way of life. To have leisure is to find the part of you that makes you you. It may be writing. It may be building. It may be gardening, it may be painting, or something that brings you rest. Do you know that today is Edmonton Free Day? Free Admission Day. You can go to the rec centers today, Fort Edmonton. You can go to the zoo, you can go to New Tarkin. You can go to any of those places for free today. It's free today, one free day of the year. And that might bring you some rest. But beyond that, it's coming to Jesus discovering a deep, refreshing breath of fresh air as you meet with Him. And you walk away knowing that your soul has been given a fresh batch of oxygen, a new dose of energy that renews your joy, strengthens your resolve, and enables you to tackle what you need to tackle, and feel His peace and grace and His strength. It's a marvelous gift. Every day, every day. The greatest leisure you can find to pull into the fuel pumps at the station, to be filled anew with perspective and hear the words of the Spirit, I love you, my son, my daughter, and I'm walking with you today. That's the best leisure. That's the true rest. Let me just close with this story. story at uh, Willow Creek, Pastor Willow Creek, Bill Heibels tells this story, and with it I'll just close. Uh, Bill Hybels said, th- this business guy started coming to church. Not every week, but once in a while. His wife wanted him to go, so he went. But he got a little more interested as he listened, and, and he started coming every Sunday, and he crossed the line of faith, and he got baptized, and he said to Bill, I memorized my first Bible verse. <laughs> Bill said, which one did you learn? He said, I learned the, the Bible verse, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Well Bill said, what are you going to do with that verse in your life? Okay, I said, what do you mean, what am I going to do with it? He said, well, what are you going to do with that? Well, he said, I'm a businessman, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. I, I, I just, it's a good verse. Well, Bill said, it's a valid question, though. One way you, you can start living is to redraft your schedule and you can seek God first with your time and with your schedule and with your calendar. And he said again, I'm, I don't have that kind of freedom. I've got to do what I've got to do because I'm in business. Bill said, if you put the God stuff in first and if you plug in the time slots to determine who you want to become and then you fill in around it, you'll probably become that kind of person. He said well I do want to become a God first person. I really want to do that. So they landed on the first draft of his new schedule as they prayed about it and he decided to live it out courageously and with conviction. A new schedule. He had some marriage repair and so he put that on the calendar and he repaired his marriage. His kids had not been a priority in his life so the family went way up on that value index. In fact he started planning family vacations. He'd been too busy for family vacations before that. He scheduled time to participate in a men's Bible study, and that Bible study rocked his life. Then he even arranged some times where he could volunteer in some ministries at the church. And over the next couple of years, this guy became a totally different guy because he redrafted his schedule and he lived it out. Little did he know that the final time he would redraft his schedule would be his last schedule because cancer came his way, ravaged his body. The hourglass turned over and Bill said, I did his funeral. And he would joke with me, the sicker he got, as I would visit him at home and in the hospital, the medications had had wrecked his voice. So he would say through a really raspy voice, at least I got the last couple of years of my life right, didn't I, Bill? I got the last couple of years right. This guy had two years essentially to become the man he always wanted to be. And what got him there were words on a on a time slot on a schedule, on a schedule that he actually lived out. Maybe this is just the right time to say to you. you take a look at your schedule Is is it a God first schedule is it a seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will drop into place how do you start redrafting your schedule maybe this is the right question what do I want to become what do I want to become start there then figure out your schedule Put in your work, put in your plans, put in your relationships. Will the way you have scheduled help you answer the question, who do I want to become? Let's stand together. Who do you want to become? What will it take for that to happen? Let's pray. Lord, so grateful that you invite us to be the people you want us to be. Lord, some here this morning are are hanging on by a thread. Would you help them hear you today? Oh, Lord, would you help them hear you today? Come if you're weary. Come if you're carrying heavy burdens. Let me give you rest. Let me teach you how to live because I'm humble and gentle and you will find rest for your souls. And Lord, like Paul says, help us to be wise. Help us to make the most of our time. So we invite your illumination today. We praise you and thank you for the moments that you give us together. In Jesus' name.